Welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as an ambassador for Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, where nurturing people can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on a journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tech People. I recently had the opportunity to visit Money 2020 in Amsterdam, which is the largest fintech event in Europe. I had the pleasure of meeting many great companies and people working in the space, including Gideon Furry, who has many years of experience working in payments. He's kindly joined a podcast today to talk about the trends he sees in payments, as well as sharing his experience and how payments have evolved over the past number of years. He also shares some of the biggest challenges in the industry, such as companies who implemented technology only 10 years ago, which now cannot handle the volumes today. The evolution in the payment industry has been immense, and it continues to become more challenging, driven by consumer expectations. As Gideon says, it does not exist if it does not come out of a mobile phone. With that, let's welcome Gideon to explore this rapidly growing sector. So welcome to the show, Gideon. Thanks a lot for having me on the show, Ken. No, it was great to meet you at Money 2020. And listen, thank you for taking the time out to give us your view on the payment industry and what's happening. But before we go there, let's maybe we can learn a bit about you, who you are, what your current role is, please. Uh, so, um, yeah, thanks a lot, Ken. I'm, I'm with a company called RS2. We're a payments, what I call a payments pioneer. We've been around for, for about 35 years. We have many areas regarded as being the godfather of, of payments processing. I joined the company approximately a year and a half ago as a group chief commercial officer. In this role, I'm responsible for strategy, sales, market development, and account management. I've spent approximately 15 years in payments directly, but prior to this, to that, I earned my stripes in, in banking. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So did you enjoy Money 2020? Was it your first time? I guess not. No, it, it, it was not. Um, I didn't enjoy it very much. I thought it's a, a super event. It's probably one of the best organized and best run events in the industry or for any industry for that matter. I think it was a it was a really interesting event this year. We we found it very worthwhile. It's a significant investment that that any company has to make, you know, both in time, effort, and and money. And for us, definitely worthwhile. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I found it very good as well. Very interesting. I was amazed of so many different aspects of payments, and it's still quite complex. I felt in the payment industry, even all the technology we have. And I get your opinion on this in a moment. But there's so many different companies, so many different areas and aspects to it. I just that's very tuned. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely. I think it's the um, you know one of the things that just blows my mind whenever I whenever I'm there is just to, to look at the at, at how many different companies are in the fintech space. It is very crowded, I must be honest, but clearly there is a demand. Yes, exactly. Well, talk to us about. I mean, you've obviously seen a lot of change over the years in terms of payments where it's come from. Maybe you could tell us a bit about where we're at today and how you've seen it evolve over the last number of years. Ken, I think what you've seen over the last couple of years is a number of factors that have influenced the, the, the payments industry significantly. You know, I think the, the one has been consumer behavior and consumer needs. 
And I think these have changed. Consumer expectations are a lot, a lot different from what they were. I like to blame generational theorists for this. But I think that it's very much, if you look at the younger generation, you know, this culture of expecting something to be happened right now, to expecting something to come out of a mobile phone. If it doesn't come out of a mobile device, it doesn't exist. You know, so I think you know, the consumers have dictated it. One of the most, I would say, blatant examples of consumer behavior that we've seen that have, that have dictated a change has been, was the pandemic. You know, everyone always says the pandemic transformed payments, but it wasn't the pandemic. It was the behavior of consumers in the pandemic. It was consumers who did not want to, do not want to touch cash anymore. So I think, you know, if you look at, you know, I think that's definitely been a major influence. Another huge influence, of course, has been, has been technology and, and what technology enables now that it did not 10 years ago. You know, I spoke a few minutes ago about the, you know, the, the, the most advanced piece of payments technology being a, a mag stripe 20 years ago. If you look at not only how has contactless payments been accepted, but how contactless payments have actually made the jump into digital wallets in a very short time. And to a certain extent, I almost want to say that contactless payments involving a piece of plastic have been replaced even quicker than they than, than they appeared through mobile wallets. And if you look at the proliferation of Apple Pay, Google Pay, it's phenomenal, not, not, not phenomenal to see firstly how quickly this technology, these technologies have been rolled out, but also how quickly they have been accepted and adopted by consumers. And then of course, that other thing which is, has affected things in a significant way is our friend regulation. And I think regulation has has definitely, you know, has had some really good good impacts, but also, you know, I would say in certain degrees, I think it has slowed things down as well. Really? So I'd say I think the industry has, has evolved, you know, based on these three items. And coming back to the point we spoke about earlier on about money 2020, I find the fintech industry, the payments industry is very much oversaturated at the moment with players. And I want to say to a certain degree, technologies and standards and one probably expects that at some stage, we, we need to go through some level of consolidation. Right. You know what was very interesting for me was in the, the US recently, speaking to a fintech there, and uh, like the insurance industry, for example, in the US, there's still lots of people pay via check yes. in the US. Just, I said, wow, I just couldn't believe it. They were still using checks in this day and age. So, I mean, does that mean the US is way behind in terms of the payments versus Europe or in certain areas or industries? It's a really good question. I think maybe the answer is in certain areas. You know, if you look at, let's say, the fact that checks still exist, yeah, that's probably not very positive. But what I find very interesting in the US is the, I think what the right word for it is basically the help, the integration of payments into other platforms. You know, what often is called, embed, you know, often referred to as embedded payments. But if you look at, for instance, how your point of sale device and your cash register have merged into single devices, this was, you know, 10 years ago, this was fairly new. It's now become stock standard, you know, to see that, you know, that where the POS device is, is disappearing. I think that's been, uh, that's, I think the US has been incredibly strong on, on that level. So as I said, I think it's, you know, I think there, I would believe, I think on that level, the integration of POS and, and ECR the U.S. is definitely ahead of the curve on that, maybe to say Europe. But that's, yes, you can still post checks, as you do say. I can't remember when was the last time I saw a check in Europe. So I remember working in a bank in Ireland, man, that was over 20 years ago, and I guess the last time I might have seen checks. 
but it just is, it is incredible. But you mentioned regulation, and I was in Berlin recently at a tech event, and they had the CEO of Deutsche Telekom, really interesting guy, and he, came, he put a, a map up on the board, and it was actually American flag, and a tiny corner of that was Europe, basically, and he said all of the, the te- dominant tech companies were basically coming out of America. And one of the big re- reasons he gave for that is because of Europe being made up of, you know, 27 different companies with different regulation, different requirements, so that's yeah. why able to compete with the US on that. Like, do you, do you think it's easier for the payment stage on the other side with regulation in the US versus in Europe? Well, the good question is, is it driven by regulation? Um, yeah. you know, if, you look at the, if I look at payments, you know, if you look at the payments industry in the US, for instance, it's dominated by a number of large players. If you look at payments in Europe, it's exactly the opposite. There are very few dominant European payments payments leaders. You know, the question is: is that because of regulation, or is it because of of other factors? You know, you know, right. and you know, could argue it is. You know, is driven very much by the fact that domestic payment schemes still play a, a very big role in in Europe, as opposed to let's say the US. We we you know, with that concept. I would say it's foreign, but it's not as, as, as you know, you don't, you don't have the same yeah. level of proliferation. So from a regulatory perspective, I think to a certain degree, I mean, being part of the European Union and, and the ability to be licensed in one jurisdiction and to passport it into, tw- into 26 other ones, I think that should arguably actually make it easier, mm-hmm. you know, for payment companies to grow in, in Europe. But we haven't seen that yet. You know, everyone, a lot of companies talk about being, you know, having, having an EU license, but operating across other countries is not. So I think my point about this is, Ken, that, you know, you know, let's call it from a payment regulation perspective. I don't think you have those, you know, you can't argue that your 27 countries is, is what's inhibiting it. I think the challenge is probably trying to launch products in 27 European mm-hmm. nations, you know, and you, where you have other issues such as language, it probably plays a, plays a bigger role. Okay. So, what, I mean, what is, I mean, would you say that's the biggest challenge in the payment industry in terms of launching into multiple countries or what is it for you? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, for me, I, I would take it a little bit step back. I mean, I think, yes, obviously, you know, I, I would say one of the challenges that one has in the payments industry at the moment is because it has been evolved, has evolved so quickly, one has the challenge of, of legacy technology and the role right. that plays. And I think the, the especially from this, Within the, within the number of banks and within acquirers, they've invested heavily in legacy acquiring technology. And to keep up with the customer or the consumer expectations that I spoke about earlier, quickly being, you know, being able to be nimble, I think that's probably a bigger challenge. I think a bigger challenge is trying to keep up with, with the expectations and in the same breath, trying to scale. One of the biggest challenges that, that I would also see that, 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 I, that we see a lot from our perspective is payment systems that have been invested in in say 10 years ago can't handle the, the volumes that uh, acquirers and banks have to process today you know i think that is a definitely a, a challenge from their perspective is how do how do you respond to to a market that is growing at a phenomenal rate how do you respond to this market if your technology is not fit for purpose Interesting. How and how are you guys? I mean, how are you addressing that? I mean, I did see that you did a very cool new mobile payment solution. We do. So, I mean, like, I'll, and I'll come to that in 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 a second. You know, you know. So, because that addresses the issue about, let's say, speed to market and uh, agility. I think we, from our perspective, 
realize one of the best ways for us to scout our business is to get into the cloud. And our processing platform operates in a cloud environment, which allows us to scale it fairly quickly without, let's say, long-term infrastructural projects. The point about, you know, we've, and we, we spoke about this in money 2020, you know, we've, we're investing fairly heavily also in, in soft power solutions, you know, where we find that in order to meet market demands, our clients are looking for solutions that they can take to their clients quicker. Boarding of clients remains a problem for them. Boarding clients quickly. And at the same time, there are segments of the market that are fairly, I want to say, you know, due to whether it be economic reasons or whether it be to low volume reasons, have been excluded from the payments industry and accepting payments. And if you start looking at, at you know, how do you do this? You know, you know, you're not going to do this with a sophisticated pause integrated with ECR system that I spoke about earlier on. You're probably not going to even be doing this with your with your standard point of sale devices. You're the way that you will that you will address this market segment is coming back to the point I spoke earlier on about you know if it doesn't exist if it doesn't come out of a out of a mobile phone is looking at, at at you know how can you utilize technology that's already there in the form of, of mobile phones and deploy a a simple to use simple to board soft pause solution on them and that's where we're seeing a lot of interest. I mean, how difficult is it to keep up with that? Get in, you know, like to like to implement like a mobile solution such as that, and you know, to stay on top of it. I think it's look, it's it's still fairly new. You know, okay. the, we've been having a lot of internal conversations about this, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. You know, as to actually understand, I think the, the deployment is not that much the the issue. One of the challenges we have is to see well, what are the use cases that would work best that would work best for different market segments. The so the, the simple example that everyone always talks about is, you know, is soft pause and the handyman. There are only so many handymen, you know, and and a lot of, you know, depending on where you are geographically, of course, some handymen are very happy, you know, if you pay by direct debit, for instance, you know, they don't, they don't need to take a card on the spot. The question is more, do you start seeing soft pause play a role, for instance, as a queue buster in, in you know, with, with larger companies? You know, you're talking about your, your McDonald's of the world, for instance, you know, can we start using it within that environment? Apple themselves have been quite good with using, I want to say, a version of mobile payment or soft type solutions as Q-busters within the environment, within the Apple Store environment. I think we're definitely, we see soft as, as filling in gaps. We just, the gaps in the market, we're still not 100% sure exactly which ones those are going to be and where we're going to see the quicker, the quickest, the quickest uptake. Right. So how are you projecting for the future when you look at these trends? I mean, what about like things like AI, um, is it more? I think, but it sounds like a big focus on mobile. I think AI and machine learning will play a role, but I think it's more on the on the, the fraud and risk side, which is fairly critical in accelerating boarding. So I, I would, I think that is where I would see where I'd see one role. I see a huge, uh, you know, for me, I see the um, the rise of embedded payments as a factor that one should not underestimate, where the payment almost disappears. At this stage, you know, once you use the commercial transaction in one stream and you see a payment in a second stream, if these two streams merge, it will change the payment industry significantly. So I, I'd see, you know, this type of, you know, convergence. I think it, you know, that will have an impact. And then the topic of, you know, uh, biometrics, you know, you, know, how, you know, how do they start playing a role, you know, when one starts, you know, instead of just, we start authorizing something with, with an eye scan, for instance, or facial recognition, having your face recognized to a card number or to a number, to an account number, I think, you know, that's probably where the world is going. 
I'm not sure how soon that will happen, but I think that will, you know, if, we, if we've seen the, the leaps that we saw from, as I said, Max Drive to uh, contactless and then jumping almost immediately to digital wallets or mobile phone wallets, at least, you know, you'll, you, you'll see that, you know, I think we'll probably see some major acceleration in, in development and in, in payments in the next few years. Well, because even the evolution I've seen already has just been immense. It's just immense. And I can only imagine the challenges trying to stay ahead and keep up with this. I want to let Dominant Clare is like, you know, you mentioned their Apple Pay and I, I use it myself. I mean, is that a concern that they've become a major to just take over the whole payment space and get too much control? I think they have, I think they have a lot of control. I think that control is very much dependent on, on the mobile device in, in hand. So, you know, there's no question about it. The question is, is somebody going to leapfrog them at some stage? You know, coming back to the point I made about, you know, embedded payments where, where the actual device, where, you know, where you don't need to use the device anymore to, to tap anywhere to, for a transaction to take place. You know, at that stage, the, let's call it the, you know, the Apple themselves, you know, or Apple Pay could become irrelevant. I think that they do play a role. I mean, one thing which, of course, is, is, is interesting is the, the point I made earlier on about money 2020, the, the proliferation of solutions. I think there is some level of consolidation that needs to take place. The number of alternative payment methods that, that exist, you know, I think it's some, it's, I think I can't believe that they will all be standing still in a few years' time. Somebody's going to win that race. And yeah, so I think that those are also factors just to take into account how the future will evolve. Very good. Listen, thank you so much for your input today. Really interesting conversation. Um, if somebody would like to get in touch with you, reach out. What would be the best way? They're welcome to contact me over LinkedIn anytime. Fantastic. Well, I'll put a link in the notes to that. And uh, thank you again for your time today and have a great day. Sure. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Kim.